All right. Blessed you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to be engaged with the words of Torah. O Lord, our God, we ask that you make the words of your Torah sweet in our mouths and in the mouths of your entire people, the house of Israel. May we, our descendants, and the descendants of your people, the house of Israel, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed you, O Lord, who teaches Torah to his people Israel. Blessed you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who chose us from all the peoples and gave to us his Torah. Blessed you, O Lord, who gives the Torah. Amen. Okay. So, lesson uh, 22. This will be the second to last lesson in this study guide. And uh, we'll finish up Galatians 4 through 6 in the next one. And, uh, and then we're going to go ahead and, and put together another volume three just so that you know, things don't get too big and Greg starts to whine at me again. So uh, how many of you have read that uh, those uh, couple of deals out of the Talmud before, <coughs> the stories between Shammai and Hillel? Have you heard those before? Mm -hmm. Did I put them in? Yeah. No? Yeah. Okay. So uh, there's quite a, quite a difference between the two guys. And uh, it must have been really a pretty swanky story they were telling about the uh, high priest for the Gentile to want that kind of job. You know, anyway. I thought it was hilarious that he decides he wants that, you know, after he hears about the clothes that they wear. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a swanky. I mean, high tech here. All right. Well, big jewels on your chest. Yeah. Hey, Crown. That kind of thing. Right? Yeah. I'm thinking it was the pants, personally. Linen pants are very cool. As many gold chains as you want. Yeah, that's it. Do you want like, the huge chains or do you just want the really small kind? Right. Okay, so this is, this is I, you know, we're, we're not going to spend too much time on this, I hope, unless there was some uh, problem. But what, what's Paul writing to the Galatians about? What's, what's his concern? Not what's he whining about. Obviously, this the Judaizers are there and so forth. But what's what's his main bottom line? Draw near to God and draw others near to God. Okay. I thought that summed up the. That's certainly what he wants to do, but it's, what's his concern, John? His concern. Yeah. Of looking for the words. Anybody? He's very concerned about a distortion of the gospel. Okay. What's, what's the distortion of the gospel? question I'm saying that uh, he's showing that his original message was correct and his original presentation what was his original presentation salvation is through faith in Messiah Yeshua plus nothing so if somebody comes along and says you have to do something else in addition to that he's a little concerned about that Right. I mean, it's, it's not rocket science in my mind. A lot of people want to make the book amazingly upsetting 
or weird are the Judaizers the circumcision party in your mind? I think it's kind of irrelevant whether they are or not. I mean, the circumcision party, specifically the group from James, it seems unlikely to me that the so-called Judaizers are the same group only because the circumcision group from James is um, would be believe, not only believers but would have had enough of a good reputation with James to have come from him. So, I mean, it seems like that's more of a, like we saw in Acts 15 last week, there seemed to be two groups there. The group that was causing trouble in Antioch and then the, and then the Pharisees were believers who were in the council in Jerusalem. Not necessarily the same group. They might be, they might not be. But um, it seems somewhat... Uh, Did you find that there was not. anything about the group that you disagreed with? Which group? Where he says those who came from James. Where is that? Chapter 2? Yeah, mm -hmm. I know that's in chapter 2. Um, chapter 2, verse 12. Before certain men came from James. Is. So. Actually, it's unclear that the. the I don't. I don't think. Actually do anything at all. Well, I don't think the men that, come, that came from James were of the circumcision party. So before we get into that, let's go back to my first question. The Judaizers that we've read about elsewhere, are they this circumcision party? Are they the same thing? What does the circumcision party want? What do they believe, presumably? And what's the difference between a circumciser and a Judaizer? One's easier to pronounce, a little less, a little less <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> one, in mixed company, one one rolls pretty nicely. Although I have to say, we might have saved ourselves a lot of anti-Semitism over the years. We just called them circumcisers. That's right. Guys. Yes. Um, Those knife guys. Yeah, the knife guys. Uh, circumcision, though, is, of course, is a key component of conversion, ritual conversion, um, in which G G Gentiles presumptively become Jews by going undergoing a certain ritual ceremony or collection of ceremonies. Uh, circumcision being the key element of that. Um, I don't know is, whether or not it's circumcision party. I mean, I think it's possible. The circumcision party obviously is a party that believes in circumcision as a, uh, presumptively as a means of conversion because every Jew was circumcised. So that was irrelevant. It wasn't like there's some Jews who think it's still a good idea and some who are deciding it's healthier not to. True. That doesn't, that doesn't it exist. It is the identifier. It is the identifier. And it's the sign of the covenant, covenant between... Abraham. Abraham, or between God and right. his people, right? Yeah, so. So. Ever since I heard about ritual conversion, that's what I would have, would have thought. Sure. Now, sure. The, the circumcision party was. So, so the circumcision party could be two different points, right? It could be that they believe you must be circumcised to be saved, or they could be folks who believe that at some point, you must be circumcised. Is there another thing? And if it's the latter, why would there be a party? Because as Joshua yeah. said, yeah. is there anybody in the Jewish community of faith that believes that you can be a Jew and not be circumcised? Right. So I'm thinking the <coughs> circumcision party believe that you need to be circumcised in order to be saved. Did I? Or at least to be circumcised to be, to be 
counted as part of the group because Peter's anxiety here seems to tie into the whole idea of eating the Gentiles, which is ironically enough something that he's already dealt with in his dream with Cornelius. Right. But th that concept that is, is going back to the same idea that, that really under the undercurrent behind this conversion theory is that there is a division between Jew and Gentile mm -hmm. that is unable to be overcome by, uh, by just simply believing in God or accepting God's commandments. There has to be a specific rite of passage that demonstrates that you're no longer a Gentile and now you are a Jew. Right, which, which was the argument that they came up with. We're going to have these four things. <laughs> right. You do these, and we know you're not just you know, on a lark, trying to win a bet, whatever the case might be. And we'll Why? welcome you in every day except for one. <laughs> so, so... Why would Peter be afraid of these guys? I mean, I mean, I think when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself. Why? He was fearing the circumcision party. I bet they're the same influential people that Paul That's came across. Thinking. Yeah, and these are some powerful said, movers and shakers. The influential people didn't affect me. Mm -hmm. Right, but Peter's a little concerned about that. In fact, so was Barnabas. He goes into that in the next couple of things. So the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically because they were changing their behavior when these guys showed up. These guys from James. But it says he feared the circumcision party. So it's possible they could be the same. It would be an odd way to put it, though, if they were. I think he's... Why did they? Why were they sent from James? Presumably to bring back a report to James. And everybody knows that. And maybe the same people that jacked up Peter when he got back to Jerusalem after the Cornelius deal, he's still a little concerned about. It is surprising, like you said, second time around for him on this point, Barnabas too, though. This is a deeply held issue. I mean, the reason why God has to send a dramatic vision to Peter in the first place is this is not something that's just a surface level, oh, yeah, I guess it's not that big of a deal. Right, but to your point, even with from a vision from God... But there is a slight difference here. I have to say, that not that Peter deserves offense, but... Speak to, to why Peter may have differentiated between the two. Cornelius' situation was a God-fearer. Cornelius was practically Jewish. I mean, he was very well respected by the Jewish community, which is also very important. The Gentiles that he's associating with in Antioch might very well have been pagans two weeks ago. I mean, so you know, he's putting a lot of faith, so to speak, in them that they have changed, and it's possible that Again, if, if the issue here is public perception, going to Cornelius' house got him into a little bit of trouble. Hanging out with guys who were at the temple worshiping idols a month ago, that's a totally different issue. I can't disagree with you, but I think as we look at the text... Not that that justifies it. Oh, no, I get you. I'm with you. But I'm just, I'm just looking at it thinking... James has so much clout. 
he's given these four little deals that the Gentiles or non-Jews have to abide by in order to be acceptable, we've, we've come to conclude. And presumably, Peter, who not only was there, but was a part of the deal, is now evidently these folks are doing that. There's, there's no indication that these are flaming pagans now. To your point, they might have been two weeks ago, but... Was it in context and time frame for this? Is it before or after the Jerusalem Council? Oh, it's, it, it's after. That's why we read okay. it after, yeah. So now Paul seems to be emboldened to write for two reasons, I think. One is that the message that came to Antioch continued north and west into Galatia, right? So he's writing for that. So anyway, um, the circumcision party was feared by, certainly by Peter, and that's Fabas. This is, this is, I am scared. Like, they can ruin my career. They can, you know, blackball me from being able to enter the synagogues in Jerusalem when I get there and stuff like that. Um, so, they're being hypocritical. I'm, I'm not surprised just from a human behavior perspective. I mean, that's what we do, right? Yep. We, we're real, we are all really good with talk, and maybe not you guys, but when it comes down to it, that's when the rubber meets the road, and sometimes we, we don't stand up quite as, as mightily as we would have chosen. So it's a big deal. Presumably the guys from James are there to bring back a report on how things are going. And it's evidently such a big deal that they fell away, uh, even temporarily there, that he mentions it in this letter. So, 2.15 um, brings up a pretty good uh, summation, I think. Right. Um, we're we're justified, you know. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know a person is not justified by works of law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Who is it that he's talking about? We ourselves. You can't be talking about the Galatians, right? No, we're being Jews. Right. You can't be talking about the Galatians because they're non-Jews, number one. And number two, they evidently don't believe that because they're getting circumcised mm -hmm. or thinking about it or whatever the case might be. So, so did I get an answer to my question? Is Are the Judaizers in the circumcision party the same thing? Or... I think they share should we, commonality. Should we not think of them as the same thing, or should we think of them in the same mode? I think I theologically, know. mentally, should I put them in the same bucket or different camp or what? It feels, I, I do. Yeah. You put them in the same camp. Okay. I'd probably say it's the same, the same theological bent. What's the difference? The, the Judaizers seem to be more aggressive. The party of the circumcision is unclear what they're doing. It may be because he was afraid of them. It almost sounds like they're some, they're influential, or whatever. But the Judaizer group. 
for calling them that, um, seem to be um, evangelistic, which is which may or may not be the case on the other side. I think that the, the beliefs that underline them, though, are the same. So for our, our sake, since there's not many Judaizers we're bumping into personally, is there, a reason, is there a reason why we shouldn't think of them in the same light, theologically, civilly, and so forth? I mean, is there a reason to distinguish them? No. Okay. Yeah. So, is there a big quandary in your minds about what Paul's trying to lay out and get into in the second half of his letter to them? Are we okay? Or is there confusion? A question on your part. That includes you smaller guys too. Although not many of you are smaller. I, but I think we're trying to convince a group of people that Yeshua is the Messiah. Or that, that faith in Messiah Yeshua is the only way of salvation. Or is he, sufficient. He, yeah, yeah. He draws on like really in-depth kind of analogies and, and pulls in parts of scripture that I'm surprised any Gentile would have even known about. Um, just because like it's it's a very big stretch to read just in your normal Shabbat Torah portion and you know and Abraham you know believed and it was counted to him as righteousness and think this is about Messiah Yeshua like it's a, that is a huge jump and he makes it quite quickly sure. and almost as if like well of course you should know this I mean Abraham you know okay right? sure. and so he, he has like a couple like little drashas here yeah as and his proofs that are in my mind advanced not like Something that you would just say to a random Gentile, you mean that Harris Teeter. All right, so let's let's so let's let's this, hold on that. I, I agree. How is it that he can do that? Help Greg understand how Paul can do this. First off, I think the audience is more sophisticated than we give them credit for. Absolutely. I mean, these are folks not unlike those in our own country that were here for the Lincoln Douglas debates and stood literally for four hours to hear one side of the argument and then listened for another three and a half hours. For the rebuttal, standing there in the sun. But then on top of that also... So we're even before that. The, 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 the Galatians that he's writing to are people who are under heavy influence from a group of people that wants them to convert to Judaism. You don't convert to Judaism on like over a weekend. I mean, I'm assuming that he's... What really what Paul is doing is he's battling not with the Galatians. He's fighting with the people who are talking to them. So he's going up against some probably quite strong theological minds, and he's challenging them directly. I think one of the biggest yeah. things we have to recognize in reading this, as I was looking at it this past week, or the past few days, has been the use of the word law, because we had a nice little discussion last week about oral law versus written law. versus. I think Paul doesn't choose, just completely ignores the issue altogether. He talks about law and lumps it all in one bucket, not because he necessarily believes that's true or not, but because he doesn't want to fight that argument. Right. Because his goal is not to get sidetracked. His, his point is he believes that his argument on faith, is, is uh, salvation by faith, is strong enough that it doesn't matter whether you accept rabbinic tradition or not. Yeah, I agree. But I think your point is, 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 is good. I don't think it's the only one, but I think it's good. That he wrote the letter knowing that the Galatians would read it, but knowing that the people that they're dealing with would also read it. Or at least hear right. it from them. Yeah. 
So he's giving them the argument to use with the other folks. Um, I don't get the impression, um, based on the history and all of that, that these guys are there camped out and have been for a couple of years trying to convert these people. I think they heard non-Jews got think they got saved and they're ripe for the plucking and went there just like they went to Antioch. They showed up specifically because of what they had heard. Now they're going to argue this and try to get these folks to, to, to convert to Judaism and they've just moved on. So there's folks there that obviously would, if this is true, know Paul. Paul wrote you a letter? Let me read it. Oh, he's well, actually got a pretty good argument there, you know, or something like that. So I think that's, that's one. That's one reason, right? What's another one that Paul could use such a good argument? Well, the, the one that I was thinking of was taking into account what Paul keeps referencing regarding the spirit. As if, like, you, maybe that he viewed them as unique in that they, they have this spirit in a sense that they should be able to perceive some of these things and understand some of these things because um, he just he makes reference to that several he times does. in his letter. He does. I mean, it's it's the earnest of salvation, and I, I just personally struggle with that one, to be perfectly frank with you, because, you know, it, I obviously got the Spirit of God at some point here because I am a changed man. There's no question about it. You don't want to know the former me. Simple as that. But I don't know that it can necessarily give me some good guidance when I'm reading a letter written by him versus written by him versus written by him with regard to theological treaties. I, I, I'm not going to be able to deal with it. No, but I think that his point is, well, I don't know, in my opinion, I, I think his point is what you were saying a second ago. You can tell a change. His point is, you know you got touched by God. That, you experience that. Could, that. Sure, that How, why would you experience that by faith and that somehow not be enough? Well, I think that's the, that's the point. I think that's the Judaizers or the circumcision party's point. I know you, you get, I mean, it's, yeah, it's good, it's good. Why don't you just finish it out? Now that you've got a good start. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't fail. I mean, you, you want to come in, right? I mean, they got a pretty good argument. Although Paul, though he's in the spirit, to Greg's point, I think is very smart because as we talked about in the past, spirit is a term that refers to, I mean, that's, you're doing good in Judaism if you've got the spirit. God no, doesn't just put his spirit on no anybody. No question, but they so, wouldn't necessarily know that. Well, not maybe, maybe not, but Paul, I think by using, again, talking possibly that he's writing, if you remember, you can't, you have mentioned the four-hour speech and the three-and-a-half-hour rebuttal. Paul doesn't get the privilege of a rebuttal. He sends this letter out, right, right. and that's his only yeah, words on the con discussion. No Galatians two. Yeah. So anybody there who disagrees with him, his argument has to be so good it can argue for itself. Yeah, and for him. So I think that he uses terms like the spirit. He's using he's using deep but, theological but illusions. But again, you're 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 going back to the point that it's the guys he's arguing against that would read and understand that, and maybe relent. But no, but yeah, right. Because I'm, I'm still saying though that like spirit is. Um, of significance to these guys. I even thought about it. I mean, a couple years ago, we had some interesting discussions in this room regarding Messiah with some people that we know and love. Yeah. And one of the things that I just couldn't get over was how could I possibly turn my back on Messiah when the only reason I'm here is Messiah? I agree. 
My experience is deeper than yeah, that. I'm with you. So I think that but, he's playing in but on you, that. But you're still talking about experience. And I don't think they've got enough experience to find unless you're looking at an event like a, a, what do you call, a revival or something like that. I don't think that's his point. The name is Dramaticus Cornelius. I mean, the Spirit fell upon them in a way that was of power. But so we don't that, know if it came on that way on, on the Galatians. We don't know. I've got an answer for you. Okay. I think I can tell you why Paul can use these deep or what seemingly are deep arguments and jumping right to Abraham. Notice I'm putting Abraham over here. Right to Abraham and being saved by faith and so forth. Because that's how he led them to Messiah in the first place. He personally went through these arguments with them one by one and taught them from the scriptures that Abraham was saved by faith and he believed. In what did he believe? He believed in the risen Messiah and I know him and he is the Messiah. We waited this long. Yeah. He's just recounting what he's already yeah. told him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you wonder, man, what kind of preacher must this guy have been? Read his kick in the fanny letter, right? Wait a minute, don't you remember what I told you? Right, right. And now he's Makes going sense. through what you and I would consider to be, can you do this in Harris Theater? Can you do this on the corner? No. This is a guy who went into the synagogues, met these non-Jews mm -hmm. out by the water, you name it, yeah. and, and convinced okay. himself. Yeah, that's, that's I think that point. one works for me. That's you a good know. point, yeah. yeah. But, I, but I, I do think that the letters would be read or the points would be reiterated to the folks that showed up is brilliant. That's, I never thought of that. That's, I'm not just writing to you to remind you, hint, hint, just leave this on the table as you walk out to, you know, <laughs> uh, feed the cows or something and let these other jokers read kind of thing. Because... There is, I mean, other than the text of the scriptures, what else is there for them to read, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, from a, from a theological perspective, they don't have all the stuff. Rashi's in this corner. Right. They're, right? right? So they don't have the commentary, the line-by-line -line stuff. All the non-Jews got is what they heard word of mouth. And then they'll hear Moses, you know, in the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. Good, good. Anything else on that point? That's a great point. Just a quick comment on the spirit thing. Yeah. As mentioned... Um, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you. That's Galatians 3, verse 3, 5. So good, good. Again, it goes back to evidencing that something changed in connection to faith. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and to your point in 3, 1, it was before your eyes that Messiah Yeshua was publicly portrayed as crucified. The first time I read that, I was like, wait, 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 wait. How did, how did, how did that happen? How did, because I thought, is like he was publicly crucified in front of you or something like that. No, no, he was... The chalk drawing. <laughs> the flannel graph or the chalk drawing was done for these guys. It was... I mean, that's, that's to me is an amazing way to put this. He, what he's saying is, my preaching to you publicly portrayed Messiah Yeshua as having been crucified. Which... He says later on to the Romans, what am I preaching? Crucified. Right? Good. All right. I wanted to throw out a fun little... Um, so Paul uses, like, a, to Greg's point, a wide range of, of argumentative styles here. Right, right. Um, throws a lot out there. And I, I think I may have stumbled across a, a, a chiastic 
uh, in the letter. point in the letter. Let's see. Where are you um, starting? So this is chapter 2, verse 16. Uh, in fact, just, just verse 16. Right, but, so hang so, on a second now. Do you guys, uh, yeah. in the, in the uh, short sleeves and the short pants, do you guys know what a chiastic portion is? Or what chiastic poetry is? Remember? No. You know? Remember? Mm-hmm. You remember? Stop. Yes. Okay. You remember now? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So you remember? What's his name that does those? He sees it all over the place. Oh, I love chiasms, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 it's on his little thing there. Well, everybody else will go. Yes. <laughs> so you know, you know what we're talking about? It's so like got, balancing, parallels. Yeah, the yeah, words yeah. in blue up here, the blue down here, oh, yeah. green, and then red. Yeah, A, B, C, oh, yeah, C, B, A. Yeah, that's, yeah. Now, that's, the point, uh, though, about chiasms. I love those things. Yeah. Chiasms are done for, I think, yeah, A, B, C, D, yeah, C, B, A. I think there's two reasons should for always chiasms. Be middle, right? Normally, yeah. there's a middle piece that doesn't have a parallel, right. and that's the point of the chiasm. Correct. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, it's also, I think, it's a mnemonic, essentially, to help you remember stuff. And... And to highlight things, I think right. that you, you're also getting the pairs, right? Right. The, the, it's the, like you talk about when you're presenting. You you tell them what you're about to tell them, then you tell them, and then you remind them about what you told them. Right. It's sort of like that as well. Right. Right. But you so, can, you can get some comparisons or some contrasts with A against A and B against B and C and so forth. Right. So that plus you know to your point, you've got a an easy way to remember a right what could be a, con- a key concept. Yeah. So. Verse I thought was weird was he says you've been, now Grant, this is the English. I'm assuming the Greek is similar. I don't know. Yeah. But he says that through faith in Yeshua the Messiah, so we also believe in Messiah Yeshua. Now that's rather odd that he inverts the name of yeah. Messiah like yeah. that. Yeah. So if you start to break it out from there, it says, yeah, we know that a person is not justified is the first line. And we see at the end, in order to be justified, no justified not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Then you see through faith in, in Messiah in Yeshua the Messiah, and we also get in order to be justified by faith in Messiah, and then also that little funny parallel of the name Yeshua Messiah and Yeshua Messiah. So the centerpiece there is, I think, the word believe is the focus of nice, the symbol. Nice, nice. Oh, we're gonna have to write that down. So, but Paul, the point though, I bring this so up. You, so you didn't. I mean, you didn't write it in different colors and, and have it all ready to pass out? <laughs> I did not. Oh, man. <laughs> what, are you putting in a job? <laughs> the point that I guess I'm getting at with Paul, though, is that like as we read through this, to your comment, Greg, we have to keep in mind that Paul is is deep. I mean, this verse, if it is a chiasm, and I think yeah. it might be, is just one illustration of someone who understands Jewish thoughts so well, he can just throw it in there right. without even trying. I accidentally put a chiasm in my Yeah. Mind. So like in, the, in, in chapter 3... Which I think is some of the, and, and then later when next week you read chapters, uh, chapter four, where I think that he, he goes into probably two of the most challenging analogies in scripture to break down because, or some of the most, because he's playing, I mean, like for example, you'll see first, you'll see passages like, um, like he's playing off of all these different verses. He's, he's cursed everyone yeah. hangs on a tree. Curses everyone, yeah. He pulls out the seed line and all that stuff. And the singular deal. It's offspring, not offsprings. Because actually, I think in some of those references, it is plural. Right. But Paul, to his point, is possibly playing off of the Aramaic there. I don't know what the Aramaic is. Right. But that's not... Or, this or, is, or the Septuagint. Right. But this is not unusual in Judaism. Judaism, if you read your... If you read uh, in the... If you read in our, um, our Sitter, yeah. you get to Musaf. Right. In the middle of Musaf, it'll say... 
don't read builders, read or don't read children, read builders. builders yeah. And it's like, and the, and it's like the comment, read the commentary at the bottom. It says, this is not to say that the plain text of scripture should be altered. This is supposed to be saying that the illusion of another point that, that's in line with the overall scriptural point is there. It isn't that cool, and this is a helpful way to remember it. Exactly. So Judaism is constantly yeah, playing yeah. games is the word I don't want to use. They are constantly working with the scriptures to they, find they those deeper meanings, extra things to think about, changing spellings, finding parallels, looking at words, sometimes even looking at words, um, not contradictory, but like really keying on things you think that's not the context at all. Right, right. But this is completely within the line of Jewish thought. Sure. Or, or a pseudo spelling, right? Well, oh, we're missing right. a letter, you know, that kind of deal. Right. Midrash Rabbah and the Talmud are famous for these things and if you don't have copies they're pretty much free online nowadays yeah it's safari it's just easier mm -hmm. yeah. yeah 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 so the point though is to say that whenever you read one of those in judaism it's the intention is always a point it's like one of Yeshua's yeah. parables yeah. it's not to get down and break down and figure out what the all the pieces of the argument and are change our life it's, it's it's he's making a point right and I think that that's really what Paul's doing here. And I, sometimes you can get so caught up, and I know that the church has gotten way uh, caught up in some of these so. analogies. I mean, this one, he has like three verses talking about the law was our guardian before, until Messiah came. And people go running with that saying, see, the law was a teacher that we could have been saved by the law before Messiah, but now we can't. Right, now we right. don't have to even keep the law. And they're like, and we don't need the guardian anymore. So we can build this entire theological construct out of two verses. Yeah. And, and Paul really isn't saying that. That's Paul exactly is right. simply saying that the law was to teach us about Messiah. Now we have Messiah. Moving on now, Messiah is all we need. It's like he's he's really trying to get a very quick point across yeah. through complicated argument. You bet. And you know, I think we've made some good points as to why those arguments can be and are complicated. He's either used them before, or he's arguing to more than just them, or he's a genius, or all three. <laughs> yeah. All right, that was excellent. Uh, turn, if you would, to uh, Galatians 3.23. And I'm... Please give me the Greek here. I don't like my English translation. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll give you the Greek. My. Uh, so here's. How can I? How can I put this? God is outside of time. Yes. Yes. So if in God's economy, if you want, if in God's time frame, we understand from other scripture that Messiah was slain from the foundation of the world. It wasn't uh, as, uh, as Rabbi Foreman would indicate in some of his um, uh, lessons regarding creation, you know, plan B, plan C. Um, I'm just, I don't buy into the fact that God created and was surprised, and to his credit, he does not say this, but it, it almost would, if you, if you just listen to it one time, it's like God created, and oops, oh darn, man, they, they rebelled. I, okay, plan B, I, I, it's just not how I read the scriptures and, and so forth. So, I, I may stumble a little bit here, but my, my, my point is that there's, 
there's some tenses here and some 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 differences I, I need to understand or would like to understand with regard to timing now before faith came we were held captive under the law captive is pureo uh, which is to guard or to watch like with a military guard okay you think the Philippian jailer kind of deal right so we're held captive under the law imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed and um, the the Greek for the who imprisoned is to you know like to surround to hem in um, so you can't get out so I'm um, first question is this coming faith until it would be revealed I need to understand what you are thinking got revealed. And, and let me just kind of salt the question with this. Do you think that Paul is saying that there was no faith like this prior to this faith like this being revealed? Yes, sir? I know that it the language of it definitely sounds like it's an account of history, but I think kind of the way Paul received all of this, it's personal. Okay. So you're held captive under the law until you personally come into faith. I had wondered that too. I had thought about that from, if you just thought about it like as if this was a, a history lesson of his own life. Right. It would be exactly that. It would actually fit perfectly. And it would he thought for the, the Galatians time, as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Especially if he was constantly giving his own testimony, talking. I mean, which he reiterates here again. So yeah. to your point, yeah. You know, ah, I was excelling greatly in Judaism, past far past everyone my age. You know, and, and sure enough, like you know, feeling this uh, imprisonment under the law and and feeling like he needed to. You know, squash every, anyone that opposed it and everything, and then it was in fact revealed to him okay. quite dramatically. Okay. And what was it that was revealed from you, Cav's people? Um, the experience of knowing the Messiah. That okay. Yeshua is. That Yeshua is the Messiah. The the Messiah, and not just that Yeshua is the Messiah, and that the gospel message he should be spreading is that Yeshua is the Messiah. Okay. Okay, so what was revealed was Messiah. Right. Not that faith in the Messiah can save you. You see the difference? Well, I well that's why I'm saying the experience. I think that there's, uh, it's not just knowledge. Okay. Mm. It's not faith from knowledge. I mean, faith from knowledge is the same as relying on the law, right? I'll give you that. So I'm, I'm arguing from Abraham's perspective. If we're saying it's not a general revelation historically, and boom! It's Yeshua! That's what you're not saying, I think. What you are saying is individually, by the way, this one's the Messiah. Not like when we got to that point in the historical line, boom, it's Yeshua, 
All of you prior to this? <laughs> you never did know, did you? So you're hooked. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay, so on that point, I think you my, have gone, right? I understand where you're going, and I, I, I think there is a historical element here, but I don't think it's what you just said. Okay. And the reason is, mm-hmm. okay, so first off, I said I don't like the English here. Yeah. And you, you actually gave some very interesting ways to looking at this, and my dad has played, uh, has looked at this closely as well. So the idea of we were held captive of the law. There's an old saying that says Jews didn't keep Shabbat; Shabbat kept the Jews. Right. So it says the idea of being held captive of the law and hemmed in, it's not necessarily, does not have to be a negative thing. That's exactly right. And in fact, if you look at the context, the next word in chapter 20, verse 24 is, so then the law was our guardian. So it doesn't seem as if it's a good thing. As if it's a good thing. In other words, it's like this idea that like you're being protected right, right. by the law, yes. which, which fits the context way better in my opinion. Yep. But then, okay, so if you think about that, so you're protected by the law, protected, protected from for what and by what? So protected by the law until the, until that faith was revealed. So the idea is not to say that faith generically was not revealed. Abraham Which, had faith. Exactly. But that, that was my point. But right. faith specifically in Messiah Yeshua, what it looks like, how it works out, Messiah's coming. Obviously, we're talking about the Spirit and other types of things that have come that that do seem to have, if not changed, maybe just been a little more obvious than they were before. Exactly, because I would argue that everything you just said, Abraham had. That's why he's the father of the faithful. But it's not apparent to him. Like it's something that he he's trusting in stuff. He's trusting in God without knowing all the details. Looking forward in faith. And and I think Paul is saying, well, until until all the details showed up, the the law, as it were, was was protecting us. It was helping us stay in a relationship with God, and? so that we could have that uh, that that faith ultimately nurtured and fostered. Well, what else is there? What else, besides being protected, having that relationship with God, what else does the law teach us? Well, this is about Messiah. Messiah it this is about Messiah. Yeah. I'm sorry? Who the Messiah is. Who the Messiah is, or, or the identity, or how we can identify him, what he will do. And this is what the scriptures teach us. So, I mean, it's, in some ways, it's kind of like if you, um, you know, if, you, if you've got children, you don't start them off by reading the book of Galatians to them. You teach them the Bible stories. You get yeah. them into the ideas. Yeah. Here's Yeshua is. We'll cross the line of exactly what the theological implications of his death and the cross are later. Right now, all you need to know is he was Messiah. He died for you. He rose from the dead. End of story. My little brother, when he was three years old, understood that. Amen. And my point, I guess, that I'm trying to get at is that that seems to be what Paul's saying. The Torah is helping to keep you from trying out other gods and seeing what other religions are out there. The Torah is protecting or, you. Or defiling yourself right. through improper foods, improper yeah, behavior. Allowing that line of communication with God to stay to stay open, yeah. and then while that's protecting you and keeping you, then at this corner here, the details of faith in Messiah have been revealed. They're not new, but now they're apparent, and now it's easy for people to know them and to trust in them and whatever else. Whereas mm-hmm. before, the Torah was having to keep you, because without the Torah, you've been straying all over the place. Right, and so, they did. And and to to Joshua's point, I think the last scriptural reference I would put in there is where we are told by the master himself blessed are you because you see mm. more blessed are those who will believe and have not seen right because as much as Abraham is lifted up because he believed ahead of time before it all happened we are also blessed because I mean let's face it 
you guys are believing in something that Orthodox Jews have a difficult time dealing with because of the baggage that they've got, mm -hmm. right? So looking back in faith is not as simple as we make it out to be. Mm -hmm. We're either crazy or much to be pitied, like Paul would put. That's great. Pat, does everybody, everybody agree with that? Do y'all feel good about it? Yes, I just want to make sure that we mention that the way this verse is often used today, you you obviously throw away your guardian when you're done with them. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. You would. It's just no longer necessary, and it's almost like watching a you know the rich young ruler bad bad attitude kind of thing, you know, in, in a movie. And I I hope you guys realize that uh, what you've just done or, or or the way you've just looked at this verse is taking something that the church normally is going to look as a very negative thing and you turn it down to a very positive thing. And I think as we go through some of the other letters, you're going to see where their, their normal take, for example, on don't let anybody judge you on what you eat or what you drink and so forth. And they're going to see that as an amazing amount of freedom or an amazing amount of restriction. And they're going to see it as we'll see, or they do see it, as, as we'll see later, in almost 180 degree counter to the way we're looking at it. Both are legitimate, unless you put other scripture with it. And then, it's like, well, I guess grammatically you could say that, but not historically. <laughs> I think, and his, his uh, slavery analogy that he kind of, hints at here but then flushes out later yeah, you know the, the sons are, versus slaves just still still in three like uh where he, he, the reason i'm referencing is specifically where he references sons of god that you are all sons of god that sort of comes in later in chapter four where he delineates between slaves versus sons and i think that is an important piece that goes right along with what you were saying joshua because like similar to the parent child um, analogy but like a little bit more specific where it's like you could have a variety of slaves working for a master who they actually don't really care anything about the master like they they don't really know him that well they they have no desire to know him that well but they're doing what he says and they're and and that's just like their life and it's not enhanced it's not for a purpose there's no greater goal there and I think that is such an important thing to Paul's argument where yeah. it's like, you're, you're not a slave anymore. Like you're actually a son and a son loves the father, the, right. the master right. to the point where he still does everything that a slave's doing, but like he wants to do it because mm -hmm. there's a relationship. Yeah. And every time he does one of those things, it's deepening the relationship instead of just doing it because he has to. Um, and I think that's really a, a cool argument that he brings out here to, to further that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, it, of course, the, the thing that the church misses all the time is that specifically in 321, he says, well, is then the law contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. So we know that the law isn't a bad thing here. Right. Nor, nor is it juxtaposed. Exactly. Nor it. does it go away when something else is added or revealed. Right. It, in fact, it's, if anything, it gets significantly enhanced. enhanced. Yeah. It's, it's not law versus grace. Right. It's law and grace. Right. Or the law is grace, depending on how deeply you want The law of grace. The law of grace, right. Are you, right. Uh, are you getting slave from verse 28? 
right European? Well, I was just relating it to the specifically where it says you are all sons of God, and I was just pointing out like he uses the sons versus slaves argument later. But where's, where's your verse for sons of God? Uh, it's in twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of yeah, God through yeah. faith. Okay. So and he uses but like like you don't you're no longer under a guardian because you're sons of God. He kind of has that, but then he flushes out the difference between sons and slaves later, but. Did, were you saying you saw slave? Oh, oh, right here where it right says the there's neither slave nor free. But this is a classic verse, also. For, yeah. yeah, that's right. People yeah. always want to say there's there's neither there's no longer Jew or Gentile or Jew or Greek. And I always want to say or male or female. What do you you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <that's> so <laughs> so this gender yeah. this whole gender thing here this in is Charlotte actually is holy cow. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> or, Slave nor free. I mean, I don't know about you, but if you are a slave, you certainly have a different experience than a free man does. That's exactly right. His point is obviously not that we can just do away the distinction. Yes. But rather, the distinction doesn't exist inside of the relationship of Yeshua. Because he, he's well, who is he arguing with? Or with regard to salvation. Right. He's, he's arguing with the circumcision. I mean, specifically with the sons of God. It's a great comment for him, sons of yeah. God, because sons of God is a concept. This idea of being sons of God. Part of the family of God is a is a specialness that's only related to the, to the people of Israel. Mm -hmm. So what he's saying is you've been you've been adopted. You're part of the family. Don't let anybody pretend like you are stepchildren. You're real. Exactly. And so his point of and you know, Ephesians chapter two, he's going to nail that. And when you get into this, he's saying there's no slave nor free, no male nor female, no Jew nor Greek. That's his point to say that there's not different classes of citizens. Because that's effectively what seems to be the argument here. Okay, you guys have Yeshua. Great. You're almost there. And Paul's like, you're already there. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think that it would be great to be a fly on the wall and understand where they're really saying you got Yeshua, so you're a second-class Jew. Or you're second-class... You know, I think they were saying... That is a great step. So you want and are now led by your Rebbe to keep the Torah. This is, I mean, this is outstanding because your life is going to get so much better and you are going to be blessed by the Torah, which is all true. So if you really want to get into the family, you need to be a member of the tribe, baby. Mm -hmm. And you're not. <laughs> but I got this big knife that can fix it for you. So... Good, good, good. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. So, any other questions or comments on the first two chapters of Galatians? Or, I mean, you feeling good about it? Yeah. Yes? Everybody, we're all good? So, I don't know, are we are we just like really all bright? Or is Galatians so far not quite as difficult as many make it out to be? Because I personally believe that many people have trouble with the book of Galatians. And, and, and get kind of tied up in it because they're bringing some baggage in or some preconceived notions that as, as you just walk through the scriptures we're doing right now, you may not come up with. You know, I, I think almost every Bible teacher and leader always opens with, okay, so we gotta leave all the baggage at the door. Let's just see what the scripture says. I realize we just did that, but um, I don't know how, how else to get past it here as, as we walk through. If we find contradictory scripture, I hope we, we get to that. 
Alright, so I want to change gears on you now, and I want these young guys to jump in and, and give me a hand. So basically what I'm, what I'm looking at now is, uh, is almost like a little flannel graph presentation, but I'm going to need to use stuff that's right here so that I can describe it better, so that the folks that are listening online um, later on actually have some idea of what we're talking about. Okay? So, uh, let's see if I can make this magic happen here. So, on the table, for those that can't see, is a really cool looking tray. All right? Handmade. It's a handmade tray, that's right. And very nice tray. We're going to call that tray a a set it is a it is all the people in the world these are very tiny people i presume absolutely so there are folks in the church do you want this video for a different thing nah. no okay well that's very very clever and i appreciate that but um, I'll probably just put it on the okay. on the uh, thing with circles like I normally do. Okay. Well, thank you. All right. So there are folks in the church that would say, "You got to be on that coaster inside the tray," which is inside the tray because you can't be outside the tray unless you're dead. So while you're still in the tray, you got to be in that coaster to have a place in the world to come. That's what, our, that's what our society says. That's what our society says. Now let's break it down. The Jews will tell you that that is Judaism. The Judaizers, the circumcision party, these folks that say you need to become Jewish in order to have a place in the world to come, are saying you got to be on that coaster. What's the church saying? We have our own coaster. We have our own coaster. Yeah. We are the coaster. We are the coaster. That's exactly right. We are the coaster. Well, that's the coaster. They're saying they've got a coaster, and if you get on that coaster, you have a place in the world to come. How do you get on the coaster? Orthodox Christianity. How do you get on the coaster? Very fair. Okay. Yeah. You say it's your heart. Give me another phrase. What do I got to do? Start going Get to church. Saved. Start going to church. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Be baptized. Be baptized, okay? So there's obviously a lot of ways I can get on that coaster, some of which we would agree with and some of which we would disagree with, obviously, right? So it's very, I mean, it, it's ridiculous, as, as Joshua's pointed out many, many times over the years, to even intimate that there might only be one Jewish way. That's as ridiculous as saying all you have to do is this is what the church believes. All you have to do is fill in the blank. There's, you can't say that. Every sect of Christianity is as different as every sect of Judaism. And down through the ages, they've been around much longer than us. Right? Okay. So, let's mix it up a little bit. Now there's two coasters. I got the one that the Jews say I have to get on. I have to become Jewish, or I was born Jewish. I got a second coaster, and the non-Jews are saying, 
You know what? If you want a place in the world to come, you need to believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. Let's boil it down to brass tacks. So I got Orthodox Jews saying, you get on the Jewish coaster, you got a place in the world to come. And we know how you do that. Right? Right. We got the other coaster. You get on that one, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or in Yeshua as the Messiah. Everybody else is out of luck. Now, I'm sure that there are others that would say something else in either camp. There may be Jews that believe that you have a place in the world to come by keeping the Torah. I've never met one. True. If anything, that would be their description of how a Gentile would get into the world to come by keeping the Noahide laws. Exactly. Yeah. So... Which I still don't really get, by the way. I yeah, think yeah, you get, like, you get I, I've, I've, I've actually been, I've been in the presence of a, a notable rabbi that couldn't even remember all of them. Yeah, which, why and, like, and I was thinking to myself, like, they sounded really important to Seth. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> you could have thought. But you can't even remember. I know, like, uh, yeah. well, we had I've to, like, look up the last like, one. If you have to be Jewish to, to have a place in the world to come... But if you're a Gentile and keep the Noahide laws, you get into the world to come. That seems to contradict itself. Worse than that, if we know that in the world to come or in the millennial reign, everyone will know yeah. Hashem, the Father. Everyone will keep the Torah. Well, it's okay to keep the Torah then? Or is it just in the world to come? So. I thought we didn't keep the Torah in the world to come because we could not keep the Torah. Okay, all right, so we're off. So I got two coasters in in the uh, the tray. So my question to you is, where's the truth? Are these? Coasters joined in any way? Paul said, All Israel shall have a place in the world to come. I'm going to I'm going to names now. What do I call that coaster? Israel? Okay. Let's say I call that coaster Israel. We can't call it the bottom one over there, the Jews. We'll call it a different one called Israel. Instead of, we'll call it the maybe. Let's make up a new phrase. The Israel of God. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> so, if that's what we call that, then why do we read in the book of Acts, as we just went through, that thousands were added to, not Israel, the Lord. They were added to the Lord. So, is that top coaster, the Lord. What do we call that top coaster? Later on in Acts, they're called believers. Later on in Acts, they're called the way, a sect, a temple sect of Judaism. 
In Antioch, they were first called Crestians, probably a derogatory term, by the way, but not to get into it, by presumably naysayers. So, what do we call that? We're all non-Jews. whole purpose of this class is for us to walk through the scriptures and see how should we live. What about me? I can't call myself a Jew because I'm not. But the Judaizers, or the circumcision party, were teaching then, and still now I believe, you go through those four things. When you come up out of the water, baby, you are born again. Purified clean. It's a Jewish term, not a Christian term. It was a Jewish term. You were born again. That's why Nicodemus couldn't figure it out. What do you mean, born again? How can, I, have to, I can't be born again. Born again. I'm not a Jewish. I'm not a non-Jew. I can't be born again. That's, that's what we do to the non-Jews that want to join the Jewish coaster in the tribe. So, what do you call that? Top coaster. What, is, what, are, we, what are we, from the scriptures that we've read so far, what, what do we call that? And hence, what do we call ourselves? People that believe in God and follow the Torah. I like that. Let's modify it just ever so slightly if you agree with me that believing in God is cool. But we know just a little bit more about God because the Jews, bottom one on the left, they believe in God and so they keep the Torah. So do the right? demons. So they and the demons believe. And they tremble. And they tremble because they're afraid of the God that they believe exists because, well, he does. So... But they don't follow the Torah. But they don't follow the Torah. Good point. Good so we've got good distinction. They believe in God <laughs> and they keep the Torah. Two little moniker things. I like that. I'm going to change this one. What's special about the top or the right hand coasters? What do these guys believe in the church? That Yeshua is the Messiah. So they believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. The Jews believe that we should keep the Torah. Maybe if we put those two together. Well, people that believe Yeshua is Messiah and follow the Torah. And follow the Torah. Wow, now you push on the horns of a dilemma, Michael. Oh, oh my gosh, it's a combo. <laughs> well, you're implying that if I believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, then I should be keeping the Torah. I didn't walk him into it. He came up with it himself. Really, I'm not trying to pollute the kid. <laughs> I haven't agreed with you 100%, but I don't know that we've established that yet. What we've certainly established is that the believers in charge of the way, James and the Jewish, uh, the Jerusalem Council, certainly believed that a behavioral change was necessary and that we would hear Moses, that's code for Torah, every Shabbat. So what do you call it? Well, the, I was going to say, the lines are, are less distinct than we might think, because even in, the, even in the church camp, it is 
despite the fact that they would say the only way to salvation is through Jesus, right. they would also expect an adherence to an ethical code of some kind. So they would so argue got that strongly side. that you're lacking if you're not doing right. something, fill in the blank. You're right. right. Then you've got on the Jewish side, one of the principles of faith is every single day anticipating Messiah's return. Absolutely. In addition to being a Jew and in addition to keeping the Torah. Right. So those lines get a lot they get less. Blurred. Yeah, they, they get blurred as they get closer together. So you would say that it is possible. And in fact, you probably have heard or maybe even know some. Jewish, true, born Jews, Orthodox Jews, that actually believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. You and I met one. Yes. We went to Greg's house. Yes, and listened yes, to exactly. Guy, right? yeah. So here's an Orthodox Jew, right. studied, known, and yet he believes that Yeshua is the Messiah. Right. So is he in the bottom Jewish coaster, or is he in the top, believes in Yeshua and keeps the Torah, or is he in the... He can't be in the right one, Because no, right? no, no. the top okay. one. You're, you're treating these as if they're three independent groups. I'm not trying to imply that, but I did want someone to point out that you can be in more than one circle. Is it possible to be in the Jewish circle and in the church circle? So the answer to that is yes. <laughs> <laughs> as, as, as Mr. Martin has physically stolen one of the coasters and has leaned the Jewish coaster on top of the church coaster. So is that the rabbit? So, no, so let me see. If, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me let me see if I let me see if I got what you did there. So if I'm in this coaster, I'm born a Jew. If I'm in this coaster, I believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. And if I'm in the overlap, I'm a Jew who believes that Yeshua is the Messiah. And if I'm in the overlap on the bottom, I'm a Gentile or a non-Jew who believes that Yeshua is the Messiah. Because the intersection between these two, you're saying, is belief in Messiah Yeshua? And Torah practice. Because that's what, the top, that's what you said the top coaster was. No, that's what he said the top coaster was. Well, that's what he said the top coaster was. <laughs> and, yeah, okay. So you don't think Torah practice comes into this? You said. I didn't say that. But you took the Torah practice coaster off the table. But that's the commonality between... <laughs> right. When, when I, right, right. In order to merge these two circles and have some element of commonality... Yeah. You have to have elements from the Jewish circle yeah. and elements from the church circle. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that. Right. But now I'm going to, now, now see if I can argue yeah. with you and see if Joshua can help you out. Hang on, hang on. So for those that are listening to the banging, <laughs> I just flipped the coasters over so that the Jewish coaster is on the bottom now and the church coaster is on top of it. Overlapping. Yeah, always the way Overlapping it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think we have a little problem. Okay, so if I'm not on any coaster, I'm just alive, and I'm not Jewish. If I'm on the bottom coaster, I'm Jewish, which is where the Messiah is. He's mm -hmm. Jewish. Mm -hmm. 
and then those in the church who believe that Yeshua is the Messiah overlap with those Jewish believers that believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. Right? That's what the intersection is. Right? Or is, is Torah practice the intersection? I think the, uh, the commonality well, is the belief in, in Messiah Yeshua because you're really moving out of the non-overlap part of the circle yes. and into the Jewish part of the circle, which yes. is intact. Yes. So, right. so thank you for falling right into my trap. So I think this points out that Joshua was completely wrong and that the Gentiles, the non-Jews, actually have to become Jewish because they're now in the Jewish circle. <laughs> so you should believe what the, what the, what the Judaizers believe. I'm not really sure how we got there. So if you're over here, you're in the Jewish circle now. Well, see, now here's an interesting game. So Paul does not entirely disagree with you. That's true. But what Paul does is he redefines the terms. That's right. Yeah. So that's that's why I said it's a names game. So, well, no, it's more than that. There's a fundamental issue with being Jewish. What does it mean? Jews today don't know what it means. That's right. There's a huge debate, the argument, trying to figure is it religious, is it ethnic, is it both, is it genetic, is it who is it, what is it? And everyone has their own version of what that means. We're going to need, as we go through this, we're, what he's about to say, we may or may not come across in what we're going to study. We will come across it if he's right. <laughs> so, so pay attention because we're going to come back to this for sure. So, recognizing that reality, Paul decides to take an angle of that and really runs with it, and that is the religious component. So, Judaism is saying that if you join in the bottom circle, if you join Judaism, you become physically Jewish. You are no longer Gentile and but you're part of the faith of the forefathers. Judaism. But to do that, you have to go through a ritual conversion to right. do so. Exactly. That's the entrance requirement. Right. But, the, but it's important to note the end result. The end result is you are no longer a Gentile. Right. You've been, you've been born again. Right. As a Jew. Just a, and a quick caveat there. The, the, that, that specific instance is a little bit of a smaller circle than this because you couldn't convert to Judaism, become a Jew, and then stop keeping Torah. You would immediately be discredited That's as nice. a Jew entirely, which means that your conversion circle is actually a little bit smaller. Well, not only that, Jew, but you'd lose your still, place in the world to come completely. Right, as opposed to a Jew that doesn't keep Torah. According to that line of thinking, you could be a completely pagan Jew, That's true. and as long as your mom was Jewish, you're fine. Your, your place so in the world to come is secure. I think there is some... Again, we've got many sectors. Depending sex. on which sector. It depends on what sector, but, that, but that seems to be a majority. That's the, that generically, that's, that's yeah. what we would say. So, so Paul... Okay, so, this is, this, so Paul's argument is to say that if we look at the... Well, we're going to look at the book of Romans later, but right. the idea is Paul okay. looks at... Specifically, he sees the family of Abraham as being key component here. He agrees with the Jews, saying that Abraham is the father of the people of God. 
but he wasn't circumcised when he became that father. But Paul's point then goes on to say, essentially, he introduces this idea of being grafted in, of adoption. Right. This is not language that you see in Judaism. In fact, uh, your wife had a conversation with an Orthodox Jew recently. Or was it, oh, it wasn't your wife. It was one of the, one of the other people that your wife knows. was talking to an Orthodox Jew about grafted in. was kind of like excited by the concept. And the Jewish woman looked at her like, yeah, we, we got none of that. What are you talking about? You know, like basically, like, like this isn't, like, that's great for you. We don't believe that at all. Like, so this idea of grafted in that Paul introduces, while biblical, is not a Orthodox Jewish concept. They say you have to be a Jew. Paul's saying you can become part of the family, you can be sons of Abraham, as it were, right. but not necessarily be physically Jewish. You're still a Gentile, physically. Perfectly put, we believe, at least, uh, I believe, so to say, by the way, um, that you can't change your DNA. God made your DNA this way. That's non-Jew. This is Jew. You, you can't cross over there. It's not going to happen. The, the concept that you become physically Jewish, DNA Jewish, is strictly, I think, an outgrowth of this concept of becoming part of the sons of Abraham. And they don't want to get it diluted. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you are Jewish, and therefore we remove the overlap of the circles. So if you have come into faith, Jewish faith, then now you're a Jew. So, you know, and it's so logical too, because like, there isn't a way in Judaism to convert to like a Kohen Gadol. Right. Like you, you are born. <laughs> that was what the guy Kohen. was trying to do. I haven't put that in the study guide. You didn't see that one? Well, no, I, know, I know, but then he figures out that right. that's impossible. Right. But like, but like, this whole concept, it doesn't actually make sense from Judaism's standpoint as well, which is why we always agree that this is just a response, like a, a, a haphazard response to like Gentiles wanting to come in. Right. But they don't even have that within their own thing. Like, I wanted to be in the tribe of Judah. Is there a way I can convert to the yeah. tribe of Judah? Yeah. Or, oh, I actually wanted to be a Levite. I wasn't born a Levite. There's got to be a way to become a Levite, right? Because when you and convert of course in, say, like, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You stay the way that you are, and you're a part of the family. God made you part of this tribe. Right. But the reality is, there is no salvation apart from Israel. Right. So, you have to become a part of, let's just say them <laughs> and thus all Israel shall be saved so do we call this intersection Israel what's interesting about that this is where things get really complicated it's going to get complicated <laughs> because because whatever answer you come up with well what's the rest of the circle right, called right, now right. right well and because actually Paul does that in, in well, keep going for Romans. Romans is really the best yeah. treatise on this Romans, issue. Romans 11, he's going to offer Romans, to give up his own salvation. Romans has an interesting argument revolt. to say, because he says, well, what benefit is there to be a Jew? In every way. So what's intriguing is that he doesn't, because I think the mistake that Christianity has made in our, in our efforts to appropriate this concept is the Israel of God then became a replacement 
for its physical Israel. Yeah. Physical exactly. Israel no longer exists. Right, it's there. It's just, you know, you, yeah, we just, now it's absorbed. Yeah, yeah. so there's and, only one coaster, and it's not there. But that doesn't seem to be the case. On the other hand, John the Baptist, who is um, talking, he's a Jew talking to Jews, makes it very clear that just because you were born Jewish does not guarantee you a place in the world to come. That's right. And he's not alone in that. He's quoting from, and he's, 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 he's in the same line of thinking as the prophets who came before him. That's right. Saying, and, and Yeshua. And, and ultimately Yeshua as well. stones. And of course Paul argues the same point. So the idea is that there. this is why we say that the ethnicity, religion, genetic, whatever, Judaism, being Jewish, being part of Israel, is difficult. Because even within our theology, it's hard to nail down in exact words. Is being a physical descendant of Abraham important? Yes. Do those people have some special quality? Are they chosen by God? Yes. yes. Does that necessarily guarantee that they can do whatever they want in this little place in the world to come? No. no. We you can't go much further than that. Yeah, though. I know. We're yeah, done with the question. That's right. as far as you get to. So it's, it's complicated. So, so what are we going to call that intersection where we're sitting? Gregory. I liked Israel. Israel? Yeah, that made... That... We talk, what do you call the rest of the circle? The bottom one. Uh, Jews. Jews? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Just Jews. Sons of Abraham? That has implications. Well. Right? Some of the sons of Abraham. Yeah. So, you can't give, you can't give it a generic label like that. The Jews doesn't carry any kind of connotation with it, whether they are religious or believing not. Jews Correct. or not. That's right. So, that the, the outside of the overlap has to be. Physical descendants of Abraham. Who are not... Right, yeah, who do not have... Faith in Messiah faith Yeshua. In, uh, I thought the overlap was faith in Messiah Yeshua. That's what you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know, yeah. it's tough, isn't it? Yeah. So, all right, so, well, so, this, so, is why, this is why in Galatians chapter 4, Paul's going to get on a physical descendant of, of I didn't get... I didn't do this by accident. Yeah, so this is a... Obviously, not only difficult to even conceive, and I don't know if you guys are, are following along, but I, even Peter said, Paul is sometimes difficult to understand. Forget Paul a second. Just the concept mm -hmm. is difficult to understand. And it's difficult to put words around it. And if you can't put words around it that you can rely on and, and that other people are going to understand and know what you mean... It's almost impossible to get a hold of it, mm -hmm. right? So, as we move into the next section of Galatians, Paul's going to start in this type of vein to see how to play it. All I ask you to do as you read through the next section is slowly, slowly remember he's writing to folks with a problem. He is not writing to folks to teach theology, to encourage them because they're doing things well. He's still arguing a point against a poor theology. So just keep that in mind as you read through. I don't want to. I don't want to blow Paul, and I don't want to give us a headache or anything like that. Other comments. After all of that confusion that Paul goes through, yes, sir. 
not to jump too far ahead, but he does what Yeshua did in five and basically says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Which so the master said, Leviticus 19 says. Right. It's really complicated. But then again, it's also really simple. Yeah. Well, our reaction to it is simple. We still mm -hmm. may not be able to discuss it well. Right. We right. still so may not be able not to be articulate able to it. Point out in a room who's going to the world to come and who's not. Exactly. We yeah, but but for us as individuals, Paul makes it clear. You got you got a task. That's exactly right. And I think it's important to say that the idea of who's going to the world to come, maybe who's not, isn't really addressed in Galatians so much, but who is, is addressed very clearly. And that's not an issue that's confusing and not up for debate. Paul makes that he that's his whole point. This is how you know. This is how you get in. Because you're in the intersection over there. So we worry about the people on the outskirts of either circle another yeah. time. And, and what you call them. It's right. almost kind of irrelevant. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, which is the reason for that, that Paul's main argument is Messiah Yeshua. Like that, that kind of leads, I, I heard one, one of the rabbis kind of say, the, one of the biggest common, like the, basically the, the defining uh, difference between Jews and Christians is someday Messiah is going to come back and, we just want and to know, we're all going to go running up to him and say, is this the first time you're coming or the second time? Yeah, yeah. And that's the only difference between Jews and Christians, yeah. he said. And I, I was like, that that is actually a really neat point because we can't forget that even though it is kind of a theological point for Jews that, that it, you have to be Jewish in order to kind of have a place in the world come, that Messiah is, is definitely a big part of that. As I said, Thirty principles of faith. Like it's, it's a, a huge part. deal for them. Uh, it's it's the the thing that we wrestle with is the identity, which is really where the first suffix, first coming, second coming yeah, comes in. Exactly. Is uh, you know, was it was it him? You know, like that kind of that kind of deal. So so to that point, um, first coming, second coming. The back to Galatians three twenty three, pretty much where we started out. Uh, the word for revealed, right? If you recall, it's now before faith came, we were held captive under the law. We, we decided that's a good thing. Imprisoned or, or surrounded or kept until the coming faith would be revealed. That's apocalypso. That's, this is the apocalypse. This is the unveiling. This is the revealing. This is what John writes about in the last book of the of the, the Apocalypse, the last book of the Apostolic Scriptures, is the revealing of that subsequent coming. And obviously, we've not only got the coming faith being revealed, we've got the coming reality being revealed, that he is going to come back. Mm -hmm. And he will save his people from their sins, and he will gather up his oh elect from the four corners I think that's a pretty good word might want to consider that one the the problem obviously is the the coaster we haven't talked about the outer section of that one if everybody I mean does everyone on the top coaster have a place in the world to come and does it matter if we decide that or not? It, well, none of this matters, you know, because we, I don't, I don't believe that we can possibly know 
defining the top coaster again is I thought it was the church. The church. Which means that these would be people who truly have believing faith in Messiah Yeshua. So... Well, I think that if the Jewish coaster is good and bad Jews, all Jewish born, then the other coaster would include anyone who professes every Christian sect. That's where I was going, mm-hmm. thinking that, for example, and just those the overlap the, would include the the true believers. The true because believers. if if this is just the true believers, then you've got those in the church. I mean, even the pastors will tell you. Out of, the, out of the first pew here, only two of you out of these ten, if that, have saving faith. So if those are people that go to church, and then we could look at those in the church that believe there's no problem with homosexuality. You're saying the congregation. No, I, I'm, just, right. I'm just trying to, to define what is the coaster. Is it the coaster? I think the coaster is the church. The church. Those. So the people who attend church. Yes. <laughs> Not right. people who are, are the church. Right. People who go to the church, who not those who are the church. Or if you take but a we survey. need to recognize that some of the people that are the church go to the church. Sure. That would be the part that is the well, that def- overlap. But that's not uh, what you said the overlap no. was before. You said the overlap before was those that keep the Torah. <laughs> and I think this Which is would include mean. believers yes, that think. attend churches that are observing Torah by default of just happening to do those things because they're trying to do good things. So now that, that sounds very Jewish because, you know, even the Orthodox will give a buy to the conservative because, you know, they're, they're doing some. Um, most of them have trouble with get, the form. I think but. you'd get really close if you were a vegan Presbyterian. Or a vegan. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say, you're, you're a vegan Seventh Day Adventist, you're basically there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what, what, what else are we missing? Yeah. Joshua knows I, I try to get, I try to be precise oh. and, and, understand, and make sure that, that everybody has a common understanding of what everything I think there's three groups in each of the two circles. Okay, I so think, let's I take the let's take the Jewish circle of the same three identifiers. All right. If the bottom circle is physical Jews, Jews, physical sons of Abraham, then you have Jews who are physical sons of Abraham, but don't keep Torah. Okay. You have Jews who are physical sons of Abraham and do keep Torah and do anticipate the Messiah. Okay. And then, then you have a third group who are physical Jews who do anticipate that the Messiah keep Torah and know his name is Yeshua. I like it. Are you, there, is there any other possibility in that circle? In the Jewish circle, no. Mm-hmm. So I think you've got the same thing in the top circle, mm-hmm. in the church circle. I, I, would, I would question before you, before you go through it, mm-hmm. is it the top circle? Or is it the in entire? The, uh, let me see. Well, is it in, the, is it the entire? In inside the entire, uh, everybody else in inside the, the the tray. You've got the folks inside the tray. Are the folks inside the tray who are not in either circle are neither Jewish. Nor, what you know, What's your biggest 
group in the top circle. I don't think I think you only get two, right? In the top circle? Yeah. Top circle. The the other circle, and I don't want to put a top and a bottom. Right, right. The other circle, I think, are people who who attend church, but have do not have faith, saving faith in Mes, in Messiah Yeshua. I would say okay. Well, okay. That, so, a, so you're saying everybody out here are the ones yes. that don't, don't attend, attend church or wouldn't or wouldn't call church. themselves mm-hmm. Christians, right? Protestant, Catholic, no, otherwise. No, no, they, don't, they don't. They wouldn't call. They wouldn't call themselves Christians. If, the if the circle is Christians, the people no people who are called <laughs> Christians. The Christian circle. If you took a survey, they would check Christians. People who as, who identify as Christians because. Those would be the ones that go to church, right? No, they would check. They would check on a survey. That's Christian. what I mean. But they would. They don't necessarily go to church. That's true. I'm a Christian. <laughs> check. You see where I'm coming from? Yeah. There are people that say I'm American. Yes, I'm a Christian. Okay, check. Okay, so I get that. Does that usually include Catholicism, or is that yes. separated out? Yeah. yeah. I would say include. Yeah, normally. Protestants are the ones who are distinguishing themselves. Right. 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 So. Finish your so the, the so the yeah. other circle, the yes. church, would be composed of. Yeah, let's not call it the church. Well, that's what we just called it. A minute let's ago. not. Or what are we gonna call it? You so called the other circle. Okay, the other circle, those who who identify as quote Christian. Okay, so now but now the, now you just identified. If I could just jump in yeah. now the the tray. Is nothing but those who identify as pagans, non-Jews, non-Jews, pagans, yeah, yeah. non-Jewish pagans. Correct. All right. So now I've got a a circle that is professing, Christians, professing Christians in some way, in some way, shape, or form, who either a don't have faith in Messiah Yeshua and are not really believers. Believers. But yet they identify with. Then you've got the individuals who do have saving faith in Messiah Yeshua, but don't keep practice Torah as as a intentionally right right as a uh, as a lifestyle as a lifestyle right not as a qualifier but as a faith walk correct. And then you have those who call themselves Christians because they do have saving faith in Messiah Yeshua and have chosen to identify with the other circle by practicing Torah as a faith walk. I think, I don't think you can have, I, I, I think both circles are composed of those three subsets. I don't think it's possible to have any other subset. If we define, if we start with the circle defined as we did, the two circles defined as we did, Yeah. I don't think you can have any other I like it. So, so the centerpiece would include people from two groups in each circle. Right. And then right. what I like about that is that is exactly what's written in Revelation. Those that hold fast to the testimony of the Lamb and and, and keep hold, the Torah. Hold the commandments, hold the commandments of, God. of God. Yeah. Yeah. That's the last verse in chapter 12, is it not? Yeah. I, I remember it was 19. It's mentioned in 14 something. 11 or 12 it's, I think it's 12 it's, I think it's, it's the last the, verse it's 12. the chapter where uh, uh, 
the uh, uh, Satan went off to make war. Yeah. Twelve seventeen. Mm-hmm. The dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. By the way, the and woman 14, is 12. Jewish. Mm-hmm. She's the Jews. Mm-hmm. On those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Yeshua. Also fourteen twelve. Same same thing. Yeah, here is a call for the endurance of the saints. Those, those who, who keep, keep the commandments, commandments of God, God and, and their faith, faith in, Jesus. in Yeshua. Now, saints is a word that we did not bring up. That could work as well. All right. Well, we're, we, we have exactly an hour and a half here. So uh, 